All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Friends from Work. I am Kyle Sconawill, and he's Robbie Earl, and we are excited to have you joining us here today for this episode. Yes. This is a podcast where we talk about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and if you're just joining us, that is normally the case. However, last Monday's <laughs> episode, we did dive into something a little beyond the MCU uh, in Star Wars, if you is. will. Yeah. <laughs> As many word plays as we can get on these titles. It's just the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Um, but today we're going to be talking about the saga so far in our rewatch journey of this Marvel Cinematic Universe Part 2. Yep. Before we get there, though, I want to stay on Star Wars for one second. I'm not going to spoil anything, so you don't have to shut this off, but my leftover <laughs> is from Star Wars. I just want to convey something after listening to the episode back. I really liked Rise of Skywalker, and I just don't want it to come off as too negative of a tone. I don't think it did, but I'm just extra sensitive to that because I actually really enjoyed it. I know right. you didn't enjoy it quite as much, but I know you still right. liked it. Yeah, so yeah, just yeah. know from the Friends from Work podcast, there was a lot of awesome things done in that movie. I'm not going to get into them now because it would spoil it for you, but I still liked it and there was a lot of good done. So right. I just, for some reason, felt compelled to say that. We enjoy we enjoy delving into these things and picking apart the nuances, but in general, like they're great movies. They're fun movies. And just to reiterate something we said in that episode, I want you guys to enjoy things too. I'm a very optimistic person, <laughs> so I don't ever want to be the guy that like talks you out of enjoying something. That's right, why I think absolutely. I'm extra sensitive to it. Both Robbie and I want you just to love life. So, you know, yeah. enjoy the things you enjoy. And if you loved all three Star Wars movies, excellent. More power to you. But back to Marvel. <laughs> Man, I am excited. It's crazy we're already wrapping up our part two of the rewatch. I mean, it just feels wild. Yeah. Yeah. This in some one, ways, it feels like we're just getting started. And in other ways, it feels like we've done a lot already. Yeah. I mean, we're a little over the halfway point because, uh, you know, as as we get further, more coming out every year, This this part has felt... You know, it's felt a little bit longer in some ways, you know, because we had the holiday break and it's like we're going all the way back to um, Thor The Dark World, which was our first movie after the, the Avengers that really set the tone for the glories of the MCU to come. Malekith, <laughs> if you remember. No doubt, but in other ways, if <laughs> I'm sorry, gosh, Thor Dark World. In other ways, <laughs> it feels like it's sneaking up on us. Like all of a sudden we're here at the end of part two. Weird. Yeah, it is It is crazy that we're already here. Um, part of the reason why I, I like to do these, these recaps here, even though I know folks are familiar with the movies and have, you know, hopefully been following along with our rewatch episodes, and if you haven't, you know, please, you know, go back and catch up before we get into Age of Ultron. But I think that a lot of the magic of the MCU comes from, like, really appreciating all the, the little pieces that are fitting together, and I think, you know, some of the best movies are made such that even if you don't know all of those things, you know, you can still really enjoy it. I kind of feel like, though, that Age of Ultron is one that if you aren't invested in kind of what's been going on in the other movies to a certain degree, then a lot of it can be lost on you. Um, yeah. I think I think Captain America Civil War is another one like that, and we'll talk about that when we get there. But it's like if you don't know kind of the significance of some of the pieces that have been moving around, then it can just feel like a lot of of action and a lot of kind of like twist and drama that doesn't really amount to anything. But I think if we kind of take a second 
and see, you know, where we've been going with all these characters that we've been following since they parted at the end of the first Avengers film. Um, and then kind of see how their position moving into Age of Ultron, that it'll actually help us all appreciate that movie more. Would you agree, Kyle? I would agree. That's also true. <laughs> I'm laughing to myself because we say this all the time, but this podcast collectively is super excited to talk about Age of Ultron, maybe more than a lot of other episodes, you know? Right. And it's partially because when you appreciate those things, when you put in the work and when you listen to episodes like this saga so far, <laughs> it does enhance your Age of Ultron experience, I think. Yeah. And, and I know that this movie, Age of Ultron, is not collectively universally loved, but Robbie and I both really love it. So yep. this is one that Robbie and I knew we were on the same page about a long time ago and couldn't wait to get to. And that's why that's why today's a really fun episode because I really we're, we're going to set the stage for this movie and then I'm excited to hear how everybody's rewatch experience goes kind of heading into our own episode. But without further ado, so part 2 of our rewatch journey is obviously partially about as we've been talking about dealing with the events of New York mm -hmm. on a big picture scale but then also starting to get us ramped up towards Ultron and these motivations from these characters that they take into Ultron. So really I guess the first movie out of New York in our part 2 that we got to start with is Thor the Dark World, right? Your favorite yeah. movie ever. <laughs> My favorite movie ever, you know. I mean really and honestly it's been a little weird for me because ever since that movie everything has kind of been downhill from there. You right. know. Well, you know, as long as we we all know that Malekith has actually been the one pulling the strings behind right. Thanos. He's behind <laughs> Thanos, moving his gauntlet around as well. The dead speak, Kyle. Yeah. Hey. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Thor the Dark World. We were introduced to the Infinity Stones. Yes, Big deal. yeah. And so um, that's, I think, the biggest takeaway really from Thor the Dark World is it starts... Thor's journey after the Avengers, which, you know, will be largely wrapped up in the Infinity Stones. I mean, everybody's will, but I think Thor's especially. Like, he's told of the existence of the Aether by Odin, and that kind of introduces him and us to the concept of the Infinity Stones. And then... Well, and I love that Thor is the one that's introduced to the Infinity Stones I don't know if it's first, but he's aware of it earlier than some of the other Avengers. And so right. that kind of helps motivate his journey in Ultron to be like, I got to figure out what's going on that all these stones are popping up. Like he has more knowledge about it because of Thor Dark World. You know what exactly, I'm saying? Exactly, exactly. And, that, and that's why I think this And that's really the last time we see him, you know? Like we leave him at the end of Thor Dark World kind of like aware of this, this power now. And right. then we don't see him again until Ultron. So- right. And, and I kind of like that because I think that starting this part with Thor the Dark World rather than, than with Iron Man 3 as it was kind of makes for a nice bookend because, like we've said before, it, we introduce him to the Infinity Stones and then we're going to end up, without giving anything away, ending Age of Ultron with him very much following that thread. And then later on, you know, that will bear more fruit. Um, but that's really kind of what we get from Thor is like he's in the background somewhere kind of aware of these, like watching these. And Loki... Somehow in the course of 10 minutes, they miraculously fix the rainbow bridge <laughs> so now he can get around places. Right, so just right. FYI. <laughs> and Loki is is sitting on the throne in Asgard, um, which won't really come into play in Age of Ultron. But that's sort of where we left that off with Forever. Thor. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But, so it actually works really well, right? Because Thor introduces us to the Infinity Stones, which then transitions over perfectly into Guardians of the Galaxy, which is, you know, I'm sorry, a much worse movie than Thor 2, obviously, but it's fine. Obviously. And then we, that's a movie that really focuses on the Power Stone, gives us like a big explanation of what the Infinity Stones are. And importantly, for Kyle especially, gives us our first real look at Thanos. Well, and not just look, but dialogue too. Yeah. I mean, we've seen his face before smiling, but this is the first time we hear him talk. We see him stand up. Like, it's a great intro to like, oh, he's out there, and now we're starting to see him. And I love that this movie really more than any other movie sets up that he's the ultimate bad guy behind the scenes and that everybody in the universe is terrified of him. Even in this movie, they talk about Ronan and he's crazy and all stuff, but even Ronan who tries to go rogue, you know, he gets called boy- like, right. you're still kind of like, oh, he's not going to be able to pull off Thanos. Nebula says, this is one fight you can't win. My point is, this is our first glimpse into, okay, it's not just another bad guy out there. It's the ultimate bad guy out there. Right, right. And we, you know, we know that he's looking for Infinity Stones. And we don't totally know what that means yet. Um, but that's going to resonate later when we see Thor kind of wondering who is out there pulling these strings. Uh, besides Malekith. And no doubt. So, so then we transition right into Guardians 2, which does a lot of good character work, but as I said in the episode, doesn't do a lot to push this big picture ball forward, correct? Like, that was one of correct. my complaints about it. Yeah, yeah. We do learn that Peter was a god at one point, a partial god, and he gives that up. And that's a big thing to me because I think we just gloss over that, but but that's a power that he had that is just kind of crazy to think about what could have happened if he hadn't given that up, you know? And this is one, you know, we've obviously talked a lot about the placement of Guardians 2. Uh, we put Guardians 2 here because it is supposed to take place directly after Guardians 1. And I think a lot of the, the character work that's being done there makes sense in that context. However, we'll probably revisit a few of these points from Guardians 2 in our next Saga So Far episode prior to Avengers Infinity War. Because that is going to be the next time that we actually see the Guardians. We won't see them in Age of Ultron. Um, right, but even more than the character work and because people said Guardians 2 takes place after Guardians 1, my favorite thing about moving it up is it helps alleviate those concerns that I just said because I don't want to feel like we're really ramping into this Thanos Infinity Zone storyline like years down the road and then have this movie come out that has nothing to do with it. Totally. Right? So totally. I'd rather there be a movie that has nothing to do with it earlier. Right, so then we jump back to Earth after our kind of three cosmic movies that are, you know, sort of dealing with the Infinity Stones and kind of what's going on. um, And their universe expanding, for sure. Right, right, right. We're back to where all of this really began with Iron Man, um, and we're seeing Tony deal with the aftermath of the Battle of New York. And kind of like we've said before, I like the time has passed, the way we're viewing it this way, because he's still kind of dealing with these ramifications. He's had time to build, what, like 42 different Iron Man suits. Right, it's not um, a couple of days. Right, and, yep. and I think the biggest takeaway from this movie in terms of moving forward is that we just we see kind of for the first time with Tony... Um, this expansion of the idea that he needs to kind of be the one to right all the wrongs and protect everybody. Like it's like the the seed that was planted in Iron Man really is now like blossomed into this full on like borderline paranoia that 
like right. people that he loves aren't safe, the earth isn't safe. And, and like with good cause, because if you think about this, and I think we have to remember this moving forward, especially for Age of Ultron, Kyle, because it's like he is the only one that went up into that wormhole, right? And saw, saw, it. saw like space and saw Thanos' army and saw all of those things. And so like even like, you know, add that on top of what he's now going to see in Age of Ultron and kind of moving forward. But it's like you have to, from his perspective, like he's encountered things that no one else on the team has had to encounter so far. And that's right. that's really going to rock his perspective. Just tying in the next movie, which is the last movie in part two of our rewatch, Winter Soldier, I've been thinking a lot about how much I just love the juxtaposition of those two films being back-to-back specifically. Right. Like, I don't think it'd be as cool to have Iron Man 3 right after Avengers. I like it here. And I love how opposite these two movies are, but, like, they both, in opposite ways, set the stage for Ultron and Civil War so well, like so yeah. much better than I could ever imagine they did. Like you get to see this glimpse of Tony, like you're saying, paranoid, panicked because of Avengers One and all the things he does because he's worried about it. Right. And then right after we jump into Captain America, who is the complete opposite side of things, he trusted everything, and now we're getting reasons why he shouldn't trust things. Right? right, And so what a crazy thing to get to Ultron. You have Tony, you have Cap, and you have Tony who wants to protect and is willing to do things that are even ridiculous and wrong and crazy because of his paranoia. And you have Cap who is not willing to trust things anymore right? because of these two movies back to back. What a great genius thing that is. And it's going to help us with Civil War. So oh, yeah. Ultron and Civil War, those are the two movies that you know really benefit from these two being back to back here. Right. I mean, because we've talked about, you know, in the past, like I think in the first Avengers episode and maybe in that last saga so far, we talked about this developing clash between Tony and Steve. But it's like really because of just the external forces. Yeah, like that's widening and widening. And it's like you totally and for totally legitimate reasons on both sides, which I think I is, is what's so compelling. When about we it. look back at this entire Infinity Saga, to me, that is the core of the Infinity Saga, more than even the stones. Right. And I don't think it's humanly possible to do it any better than they did. Right. Just, it's insane to me to trace Cap's character from the first Avenger and just to trace that arc and Tony's arc is perfect. And you just said it so well. The gap is widening. It's not getting closer. And yet, you would think with a gap widening, you would start taking a side more and more and more. Right. But as I'm rewatching, the gap is widening and I'm seeing both sides. Yeah. I get it. I get why both sides do what they do. And that's, I mean, that's why I'm just really looking forward to seeing Age of Ultron now, like after having watched these, because it's like, I'm watching, like, right, we see, okay, yeah, Tony's going to be like wanting to now figure out how to do whatever he can to keep an eye on everything, to protect everything. You know, we've already seen, like, the first iteration of his kind of Iron Legion that he, of course, <laughs> blows up, but will, spoiler maybe make a reappearance here. Um, but Cap now has just, you know, seen essentially, like, with Project Insight, he has been so burned by that idea. So it's, like, the exact thing that Cap has just seen horribly misused, almost, like, destroying millions of lives is now basically what Tony's like, yeah, this is totally what we need. (laughs) Yeah, his friend's now convincing him, hey, this is it. 
Right. Yeah, and you know, Civil War is obviously the extreme case of this, but you even get that amazing scene in Ultron about this basically with the vision thing. Right. When right. they're creating vision, you get this little mini civil war, if you will. Yep. It's also important that we point out that in Winter Soldier, not only has Cap been burned, but also Shield is gone basically, right? Yeah. Hydra, Shield, they're kind of destroyed. So yeah. there's a vacuum there of some kind of governing body. And that's one of the things that I love specifically about Winter Soldier within this phase. Um, I think generally, you know, there's a tendency for some of the movies here to just be like, you know, Thor 2 is is largely like an adventure for Thor. And the Iron Man 3, in a lot of ways, it's like kind of an adventure for Iron Man 3. And both do oh, some character work. Oh, I know what you're going to say, and I love it. But I love how much Winter Soldier moves the ball forward. But, it, like, but, but here's the thing. Winter Soldier, if you just viewed it by yourself, you could say, hey, that's a pretty standalone movie. Oh, like, totally. Like, if you didn't know anything about it, it's a standalone movie. But because we have all these other events, it still pushes the ball so far forward. How yep. both those things are possible at the same time, I don't get. But Dude, you know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah, it's that Russo brother Mar Marcus McFeely magic, I'm telling you. It's like there's something there where it's like they can figure out how to how to juggle so many competing interests. We say this all the time with Marvel, but that's the benefit they have with having this universe. Right. Is that the next movie doesn't have to start from a clean slate. We can right. now start with, okay, S.H.I.E.L.D. got destroyed. Now what? So And so now, yeah, I mean, what's really interesting for the Avengers, I think, is S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick, you know, Nick Fury— and shield have been the glue holding all of these people together and oh gosh that's interesting too you You're know so like, smart now that now that shield is gone and fury is <laughs> fury's on the run uh it's it's like one there's a massive vacuum and, and we kind of saw that hinted at at the end of winter Soldier. not just for an organization but also for a solo leader now exactly yes that's exactly it because we again, we've already seen Tony moving more towards that role. We already saw Tony clashing with Fury. Like it's funny, right? Because even in the first Avengers movie, Cap was clashing with Fury because Cap felt like he, he wasn't, wasn't being told he wasn't truth. being totally honest, and he felt like he wasn't being necessarily as like virtuous as he might have been. Tony, for whatever he said, I think you get the sense that Tony was clashing with Fury because they both have, you know control issues to some degree and pretty big egos. And I think Tony maybe <laughs> rightly felt like he could do what Fury was doing better. And that's why you see Tony like hacking the system and kind of making his own calls. And yes. so now like you're really going to see the culmination of that. And, you know, from, from Cap's perspective, also it's like, well, from all the Avengers' perspective, right? Like, it's not only that S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist and now, like, there's a vacuum. It's also, like, the thing that brought them together. Like, the the thing that that was, like, at the core of all this has been poisoned this entire time. So, like, what does that do in terms of, like, how much can you trust any of this structure? And, and from Cap's perspective, like, you know, you have to wonder how he's feeling about how much he can trust like Tony's motivation and like the the more the Avengers grows into like an organization that's going to resemble Shield there's just a lot of interesting stuff at play in in terms of that tension just to kind of wrap up the glimpse of Cap and Tony and where they're at at this point it's also fun to think about how Thor who we haven't seen Thor who has not been on earth for this stuff Thor who is not learning about Shield and all this stuff what kind of perspective is he going to take to this when he shows up and 
he is the one that's actually out there kind of doing the research on the Infinity Stones, if you will. Right. And so kind of fascinating to see when he gets thrust into this team, what perspective does he bring? And we get into that in Ultron, but that's just kind of a unique spin as well that he ends up kind of right. siding yeah. with Tony that's in the moment. Point. That's a good you know? point. So, well, and, and I think I think what's interesting just on like a high level for this part two is in a way like what the Avengers told us is that when these individuals come together, you know, they can protect the earth. Like, I don't know if you want to say they're, they're unstoppable, but it's this idea that they are this, you know, like insanely powerful, like elite force that can work together super well. So now that we're living in the world where we have Avengers and, you know, that's created some problems narratively that we've talked about in part two, but as we're getting to the second Avengers film, it's like, okay, well, like what, you know, if this huge alien invasion from Thanos and Loki didn't defeat them, like what is going to defeat them? And I think what's interesting is as they're in some ways all kind of at the height of their power, what is going to happen is is more a threat, I think, from within the Avengers than anything externally. Right. So while our part two does a really good job of handling Tony, Cap, and Thor and kind of pushing that ball forward, one interesting glaring gap is that we haven't seen Hulk or Hawkeye since the first Avengers. So by the time we see him on screen in Ultron, we really haven't had a chance to have any more character development for those two characters. We did get a chance to see Black Widow a lot, kind of co-starring in, right. in Winter Soldier. So we got a lot of development from yeah, her. Yeah, and a lot but of the good two, work. two of the four we haven't seen. Right. I think that's part of the reason why we get a lot of work for those two characters in Phase 3. Right, because right? we right. haven't seen them here in part two. And I think, you know, we've we've talked about the the title characters of all of these movies, but I, I'm glad you brought up Natasha because I think her storyline um, is one of my favorites in the upcoming movie. Like, I, I really like how it's in some ways an extension of this, of what we've just seen in Winter Soldier. Like, again, you know, I, these arcs that I think are pretty consistent, this is a great one of, like, we saw her super kind of cocky and confident at the beginning of Winter Soldier. And whereas, you know, you, you had this sort of inverse <laughs> thing where like at the end of Winter Soldier, Cap was almost like, okay, like I kind of, I trust myself again. Like I'm in this world that I didn't really fully understand, but now I kind of have found my, my North Star, so to speak, and kind of right. know that like I'm fighting for the principles that I've always fought for. Natasha, you know, was really comfortable in the world she thought she lived in, and it turns out that all of that was a facade, and now we're kind of seeing her be pretty vulnerable, I think, for the first right. time in the whole in the whole <laughs> franchise. I'm laughing because I have chills thinking about this. I shouldn't say this in this episode, but I just have to, so I'm just going to say it, but <laughs> speaking of her character arc, man, like that's what makes an, that moment at the end of Civil War when she says can, to Tony, can you ever just put your ego down for one second? So powerful because in Winter Soldier, you're getting like this like before she becomes vulnerable, you know what I mean? She's right. so jokey right. and like quippy and like trying to like just be cool. Then she gets really vulnerable and it's crazy that we go all the way from there to where she's just like straight up pissed at Tony for him not being able to put his ego away. Right. Oh, yeah. love it. Sorry. Uh, no, and that's something that I'm really excited to talk about is is like what Civil War means for her and, and the swing that she has. Because like Natasha starts off in some ways with more of a connection to Tony, you know, just because of the way she's introduced in Iron Man 2 and and even in the Avengers, then with Cap. And I, I then love- Then she develops a friendship in Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that then you see kind of the tug 
moving forward between those two, not just characters, but also oh. like because of she's the, almost more in the middle than anybody I else. Know. And and again, in a totally justified way. Like if you look at her background, like even if you take the the personalities out of it, if you take like her own friendships with either of those characters out of it, like just the points of view, you could totally see her taking either side. Like right. as a as a spy, she understands the threats that are constantly right. facing Earth like as much as anybody. But then on the other hand, you know, she's just gone through all the same stuff that Cap just did where she's seen everything that she thought she understood so well and had such a grasp on be a total lie. So she's had a lesson in humility that Tony has has kind of like yet to fully wrap his brain around, I think. <laughs> yes, and like obviously in Winter Soldier, we get to see the depiction of her as being such a good friend with Cap. Right. But don't forget that, you know, like in the Avengers, we get that smile when Tony shows up. Like in some ways, right. she likes Tony oh, totally. almost more than any of the other ones. Right, yeah. I mean, and again, like that's why I just I, I think it's worth looking back at some of these things because there are so many we've had some work done. Like you said, I'm I'm excited to see Hawkeye and Hulk again because they've been off camera this whole time. But with the characters that we have had, like they've they've moved forward in some pretty significant ways. And so it's it's sort of like throwing all these things back together and you know, kind of seeing if something can bust. Mm. You know. The table is set, my friend. <laughs> we're kind of just getting the preparations done, and we're kind of setting stuff out on the table here for Age of Ultron, my <sighs> friends. Get excited. It's next Monday. And although it's no Thor Dark World, we're pretty pumped about doing it. <laughs> but, Robbie, you, you feel like the table's been set? Yeah. You feel hungry? Oh, I'm hungry. That is the saga so far, and I'm ready for the main course. <laughs> How many food analogies? I don't know if I should use? have started us on this analogy, but I do like food and yeah, I like the food go. analogy. That's yeah. And yeah. I do feel quote unquote hungry for Ultron next week. So that's you know. <laughs> uh no, I am I'm really excited. I'm also excited kind of in this interim period. If anybody has any thoughts just on looking back on part two before we we culminate with Age of Ultron, if you have any questions leading into it to the degree that we can answer that, we would love to do that. Um but just Really, any feedback you have at all at like some of these past few rewatches, we always love. We are on all the social media platforms at the FFW Podcast, so please hit us up. Let us know what you've thought. Um, we would love to kind of engage in those conversations there. And as always, follow and subscribe anywhere podcasts are found. We really appreciate that. But Age of Ultron's on Monday. We cannot wait to talk about it with you. We'll be in touch. We'll see you next Monday. This has been Friends from Work. Thanks. <laughs>